As Carl mentioned earlier, this is a very special day. Every time we gather around the table, a time of worship, time of self-examination, time of remembering. After we do our communion service, we're going to have graduation for our present class that's done. They're getting ready to leave. And then introduction of our new class, our biggest class ever. God has been so good. Please continue to pray for Clayton and Jeremy and Jimmy because those guys just do an amazing work and we're so thankful and we get a lot of the blessings and that's because so many of you are helping support and uh, give to the seminary and to those students and so God has given us this wonderful opportunity here but it's all about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. Psalm 36 is the gospel in the Old Testament. I entitled the message, The Rock of Salvation. I also thought about how great is our God. Because we see grace manifested so brilliantly against the backdrop of our awful, dark, black sin. Psalm 36. You'll see this abrupt transition. You say, why does it go from one sub to the other? Because I think God is making a point about grace. Transgression speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. It flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and do good. He plans wickedness upon his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not despise evil. Your loving kindness, O God, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come upon me. Let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the doers of iniquity have fallen. They have been thrust down and cannot rise. Father, we pray now that our hearts would be open to your word, that we might be spirit-filled as listeners. Lord, I pray that I might be spirit-filled as a teacher. Prepare our hearts to gather around the table. Lord, I pray if there are any here that do not know you today as their own personal Savior, Lord, that you would show them their lost condition. And Lord, give them hope. Draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this psalm is divided up in three parts. First of all, verses 1 through 4, the natural heart of man. Verses 5 through 9, the heart of God. And verse 10 through 12, the redeemed heart, the difference between the natural man and the redeemed heart. Paul quotes this passage in Romans chapter 3, where he says, There is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. 
Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have known. It's all wrapped up in the statement he quotes, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the natural heart of man. If you read this passage, he, he just takes a look like Paul does, or psalmist does, and says, look at man and his natural condition. We see that downfall on the other side in, in Psalm 1. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the seat in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. The longer a person lives without God, the more hardened they get, the more bitter. You say, well, I know some people that aren't Christians, but they're good people. You don't see the heart. God's the one that sees the heart. Here it says that there's no hope for us, that man is desperately lost without God. It talks about this downward progression of sin. And it says, there is no fear of God because transgression, from verse 1, flatters him in his own eyes concerning the discovery of his iniquity and the hatred of it. He gets so engrossed in his sin and so proud of himself that he enjoys this sin. All you have to do is look at the movies, look at television. What do people brag about? Philippians chapter 3 Verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame. That's what he's talking about. When their sin is discovered, they're proud of it, and they don't understand why everybody else is hating it. Well, that's because of the consequences. Hollywood in the 60s began to share this idea of just free love, just sleep with that, whoever you want to. What's the result in our, in our nation? Unwanted pregnancies. Children without fathers, without parents, violence. The Bible said that. You open the idea and, and just have a nation that forgets God and they go after immorality, what do they get? They get violence. We live in a violent nation. The answer is not take away guns. The answer is the heart of man. It's the heart of man. He gets to the point that all he can think about is wickedness and evil. He plans wickedness on his bed. Why does he have to plan it? Well, he wants to cover it up. He wants it to appear wonderful. But it gets to the point that only deceit and lies come out of his mouth. Who's he like? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, or yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, that he's just a child of disobedience. Well, how do we get that way? Romans chapter 5. Verse 12 says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. What's the proof? Everybody sins, everybody dies. Adam chose sin, and you got sin from him, and he's your father. So who? That includes everybody. Everybody. But it also says in Ephesians 2, but God. And that's the transition. Here is the desperately needy heart of man, condemned on his way to hell in the first four verses. God looks at him and that's what he sees. There's no reason to think there's any spark of goodness in man. As much as people like to say, well, people are good basically. No, they're not. They're basically wicked. That's God's point. There is no hope outside of salvation from God. 
but God. But God, rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Set against the back, the blackness of man's sin is the brilliance of God's gracious loving kindness. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is higher than the heavens. Third day sings a song from this psalm. Wonderful song. I love songs from the psalms. How can you measure the love of God? You can't. John, at the end of his gospel, said if you write all the wonderful things that Jesus did, the sky could not contain all of his love. And that's why, like last week at the river, we heard those amazing, wonderful testimonies. It wasn't about that person. Do you know that? That's why we love them so much. It's about our amazing, loving God that reaches down and everyone has a story that is different. But then there's this sameness because no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. From all different backgrounds, all different races, all different walks of life, all different economic places, God is working with his loving kindness. And the story just gets bigger and bigger. The more testimonies you hear, the love of God gets greater and greater. In case you think you're here this morning and you say, but you don't know me. I know good people go to heaven, but, but, but and, and you may not know this about me, but there's a lot of dark things. I want you to know something. Paul wrote, wrote in Romans chapter 5, the same chapter that he described how man got in this position. Adam sinned, death passed upon all men. Gets down to the end of that chapter. And lest you lose hope, he said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Much more. There's no one that's outside of the grace of God because of your sin. You're only outside because you refuse his grace. Because his invitation is always open. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. What God promised, he will fulfill. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep. I just want to share you some thoughts from Spurgeon. This is just wonderful thoughts. When he says your righteousness is like great mountains, what does that mean? It means they are firm and unmoved, lofty and sublime. As winds and hurricanes shake not an elp, so the righteousness of God is never in any degree affected by circumstances. He is always just. Who can bribe the judge of all the earth? Who can by threatening compel him to prefer judgment? Not even to save his elect would the Lord suffer his righteousness to be set aside. No awe inspired by mountain scenery can equal that which fills the soul when it beholds the Son of God slain as a victim to vindicate the justice of the inflexible lawgiver. Right across the path of every unholy man who dreams of heaven stand towering the Andes of divine righteousness which no unregenerate sinner can ever climb. So against the great day of the Lord's wrath, the Lord has laid up the mountains of his righteousness, dreadful ammunition of war, which to overwhelm his adversaries. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 116, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Why? Because in it is revealed the righteousness of God. How is God's righteousness revealed in Jesus' death? Because a penalty had to be paid. 
God's holiness had to be satisfied. And since we were unable and unwilling because we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God sent his only begotten son to take our place. And God poured his wrath out on his only begotten son. That's why the cries in the garden from our Savior. Oh, Father, be thy will. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Why? Because he was going to suffer an eternity for our sins from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock at Calvary. God poured out his wrath on his only begotten son who was innocent. That's how God righteous was displayed. He didn't pass over sin. He judged it. Spurgeon goes on to say about God's judgment, thy judgments are like a great deep. God's dealings with men are not to be fathomed by every boaster who demands to see a why for every wherefore. The Lord is not to be questioned by us as to why this and why that. He has reasons, but he does not choose to submit them to our foolish consideration. Far and wide, terrible and irresistible, like the ocean are the providential dispensations of God. At one time they appear as peaceful as the unrippled sea of glass. At as another toss with tempest and whirlwind. But evermore, most glorious and full of mystery, who shall discover the springs of the sea? He shall, the do, shall do this may hope to comprehend the providence of the internable, internal undiscoverable see that's why it's such a great God that saves us his righteousness is like the high mountains you can't talk him out of it his justice is always exactly what he said it would be he's always perfectly just and his wisdom is like the great deeps his ways are past finding out his ways are inscrutable Lest you think you come and bring an accusation of God, like it says in Romans 9, why did you make me like this? Will the pot say to the pot of that? No. He's the all-knowing, mysterious, sovereign God. And yet he is full of loving kindness. The Bible goes on to say, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink, they're filled with the abundance of your house, and you give them to drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. It's only by God's light when he quickens us that we even know we need a Savior. Man left to himself will die in his sins. Unless there's a quickening, unless the gospel is shared, unless the Holy Spirit uses the gospel in a person's life and you say, well, whoo, that just sounds really scary. What if he hadn't done that for me? Then you'd be lost. Say, well, hold it. You mean there's particular salvation? Amen and amen. If he hadn't sought for you on purpose, you would still be lost. And you say, well, what about my lost friends? Pray for them. As John Piper says, God's sovereignty is not written down in a stone somewhere. He is the sovereign, active king. And he lays in our heart to pray for people that are lost so we can watch God do a wonderful and gracious work and draw them to himself. How great is our God. 
Psalm 104 goes through this long description of how God provides for his creation. He sends snow and rain in the mountains to fill up the springs that they run down and and make grass and rains on the plains so that there is food for man and for beast. How tenderly he cares for his creation. Spurgeon said, we need no candle to see the sun. We see it by its own radiance. And then we see everything else by the same luster. We never see Jesus by the light of self, but self in the light of Jesus. No inward intelligence of ours leads us to receive the Spirit's light. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so in order for God to be this great God of salvation, the rock of our salvation, he not only is a God of loving kindness and mercy and grace, but he's a God of righteousness. He's a God of justice. And he's a God of faithfulness that he always keeps his promise. You can trust his word. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How is this accomplished? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins. What does that mean? Confession is just agreeing with God When you come to the place that God in his grace points out your need, that you are lost in your sin, there is no hope for you outside of Jesus Christ. There is no self-reformation. There is no trying harder. But you begin to realize, I am lost. And then God draws you to himself, and he gives you that hope. This last week, Sammy, my son, was sharing with me some of his ministry and this young couple he's been ministering to, especially the young man who was just overwhelmed with guilt, raised in a religious system that promoted guilt. And as Sam over the days was sharing the gospel with him in his house, he asked him now, do you believe that Jesus' death on the cross was enough? He said, you know, I think I do. Sam said, have you ever told him that? The Bible says there needs to be not just a head knowledge, but a conversation with God. Responding to the invitation that God extends to all of us that are lost. Come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and you'll find rest for your soul. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. The faith to believe doesn't come from you either. It's not this partnership between God and man to get you saved. Because the Bible says in the same chapter, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. A dead man can't respond. It's only in God's quickening that we see the light and we respond to him. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the next verse says, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Well, that's the last two verses. Because we see the heart cry of now this person who's been redeemed. They've been made new. Before their focus was themselves and their sin and their own pleasure. Now their whole focus is God. Why? Because he's their life. He's their light. John 1 says that he is the light of the world. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
And the light shines in darkness, and only those God touches respond to that light, but they respond to him. John 6, 45, all that hear and listen come to the Father. And what is your attitude now? I don't want to go back there anymore. What used to be attractive is now dangerous. I'm not saying Christians can't sin, but according to 1 John 3, you can't stay in that lifestyle. You don't want to live in that pig pen anymore. And so that is their, their cry. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who, who know you. Is God going to do that? He promised he would. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but that's still our heart cry. Oh, God, don't let me go back there. I remember God really drew me himself after my time in the Army. And it was my habit in the Army, especially when I was living by myself in the barracks, when I was overwhelmed with my sin, I just put my music on. And that satisfied my, the conviction of my sin for a little bit. And I remember one night after the Lord had done a great work in my life and I was laying there in bed and I couldn't go to sleep and I needed to go to sleep, I thought, well, I'll just put my music on again. In those days, the headphones are like this, right? So I quietly, so I don't wake up my, my wife, reach over and grab my headphones, put them on, put my music on. And so like the Lord was speaking to my soul, so you want to go back there where this music used to minister to your heart? I'm like, no, I don't need sleep. Right? Oh, sometimes we wander and the Lord comes alongside because his faithful spirit lives within us and says, really, you want to go back there? Is this what you want? The cry of the redeemed heart is, oh, Lord, never leave me. And your righteousness to the upright in heart, let not the foot of pride come on me. Let me not the hand of the wicked drive me away. Because, why? The last verse. The righteous have a fear of God and they see the end of the wicked. Psalm 73. The righteous man, he's coming to church and he's thinking about all the things the world gets away with. Why? It just seems that they get richer and richer and their eyes stand out with fatness. And they go simply down to the grave and their, their children come after them and they just get wealthier and wealthier. And he said, I almost, I almost turned against God's people. He says, but then I went to the house of God. And then he's reminded. And what did he find, remember there? God has set their feet in slippery places. They go suddenly down to destruction. Without Christ this morning, I don't know how much time you have left. But there's no other option. If you don't receive Christ in life, there is only eternal death. But God in his love sent his only begotten son to take your place so that if you were the only one that would ever have received him, he died for you, particular salvation. He died for you. And you're here this morning and you're hearing this gospel. Will you respond to it? The Bible is very clear. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. It's not in church. It's not in religion. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where God is loving kindness reaches down and says to you, you're lost. There's a film that was put out recently. Just They did a wonderful job on it about the Apostle Paul. In the film, there's a, a scene where the Roman jailer is speaking to the Apostle Paul. And he says, oh, I think you're trying to talk me into something. And the Apostle says, oh, no. 
I can't do that and I would never try. My prayer is that one day you will realize that God knows everything about you and he loves you with all of his love. How blessed is the man, the psalmist says, whom the Lord does not count his iniquity to him. Why? Because he placed it on his only begotten son. That's what we celebrate in the communion. Father, we thank you for your word. How precious it is. Your grace is so amazing. It is so brilliant. It is so attractive to us that are saved, but to those that are lost, they're blind. Lord, I pray if there's any here today that you would open their eyes, draw them to yourself, and then we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.